This is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain talking about what we call getting smiled on by the news gods. It's what late people would call lucking out. This is CTV News. An unexpected example happened in the field just a few days ago, leading our flagship 6 o'clock newscast. A warning tonight, some of this video is disturbing. Screams of pain and terror echo as police dogs take down two suspected car thieves. One of our crews stumbled on the VPD's canine unit. This takedown happened here on Carolina Street. Minutes after it had intercepted the suspects. Truck drove off at a high rate of speed, crashing through a fence, spun back around and uh, up onto the sidewalk and then back down onto the roadway. Those who watched the mayhem unfold were rattled. I saw some blood and scratches, so, you know, it was a little frightening to see. His leg was bleeding pretty bad and it was ripped. His jeans were completely ripped off. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Finding those witnesses, one of whom filmed much of the encounter, was the result of hard work by our CTV crew, but also very lucky. We often find ourselves face-to-face with compelling, interesting, or controversial stories just by keeping our eyes open. Maria Weisgarber and Gary Bart are here to kick off this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, nice to be here. Likewise. So I guess we, the first thing we should get out of the way is that for anybody in policing listening to this podcast, this is not an unusual occurrence. It probably happens almost every day. But what's unusual is that so much of it was caught on camera and you guys got there so quickly. So Maria, paint us a picture. How did you come upon this scene in the first place so quickly? Well, this was really uh, quite a coincidence, actually. Gary and I had been working on another story earlier in the morning uh, out in Surrey, and we were just heading back into Vancouver, bringing the material we'd collected back to the station. And we were driving down Terminal, um, and just passing by where a number of the car dealerships are on the other side of the street, when we happened to notice uh, something that always catches our eye, which is yellow police tape. Uh, And when you see some of it, that's something. But when you see a lot of it, that always kind of makes you do a double take. And there was a fair amount uh, all taped around uh, the corner of an intersection, basically. And we could see that there were some vehicles inside the tape. A couple of them looked kind of smashed up, like they were smashed together. And there were a lot of police still on scene. So we just thought, well, uh, that looks like something. We should probably just you know, it's on our way, let's turn around and go check it out. Because, you know, sometimes you can get a sense of if it's just a, a, you know, like a fender bender or something, or sometimes you'll see police pulling someone over, but you can usually tell when there's might be a little bit more going on, but we had no idea what this was. So uh, that's when we stopped and uh, turned around and got ourselves over to the scene. And Gary pulled out his camera and we headed over there. So what's the first thing you shot, Gary? Oh, I just I just skip your wide shots. You never know when you get to a scene, like, if it's active or what. So you want to try to get on your sticks and shoot something quick before the police see, oh, you got to go farther back or get out of here or whatever. Like, you try to get something before, and then you just, you know, and then it's just like, then you just slowly move yourself in. And they didn't really care that I was there, so I basically went in as close as the tape. And the tape was, it was a very small area that was taped off, so we could get in very close to where the smashed up cars. Then we noticed, oh, two police cars are kind of dinged up here too so i was like oh this is something and so maria puts her gum shoes on and her detective hat on and starts <laughs> starts walking around to the dealerships going well somebody must have seen something and then finding out you know tracking down and she's track finds witnesses and these witnesses were amazing maria how'd you find these guys 
They were, well, we just went to the two businesses that bordered this scene of this, what appeared to be some sort of accident uh, involving police vehicles. And uh, so there were two very large businesses right on either side. So you got to assume that there must be a lot of people that were probably there or looking through the windows or maybe even outside when something like this happened. Um, the first thing I did was call the station and let them know what we were doing. Should we check this out? Yes. Okay, let's do it. And then uh, called also, I, I flipped an email to the Vancouver police media to see if there was any sort of official response as to what was going on yet. But then, yeah, at that point, you're looking to see what people saw, what they heard, uh, to try and piece things together. Officers that are on the scene of something like this, they're not usually able to speak to media, um, so we have to go through sort of their official communication route. Uh, But there are always potential witnesses around that may have seen a lot. And we want to try and get those accounts and see how um, everything kind of all adds up together. So I think I just wandered into one of the dealerships first, and actually, I just walked up right to the front desk uh, and introduced myself and said, we're here because of what's happening outside here. Did you see anything? And uh, this very, uh, very friendly, very nice young guy who was working at the front desk, immediately, the first person I talked to there said, oh, yes, I saw it. I, 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 I saw almost everything, and here's what happened. And he was very sort of eager to share those details. Obviously, it, you know, this was something very unusual that doesn't happen every day that they don't see every day. So he described how he'd seen police vehicles, uh, you know, sort of tearing up the street, one of them in the oncoming, obviously going after something. uh, And he'd been going for coffee. And then by the time he came back, there was this scene right at the corner next to where he works, where uh, there was a truck uh, at the center of the scene that looked like it had been boxed in or pinned by at least two police vehicles. And by the time he had arrived, there were two people... uh, that had been taken into custody, who had handcuffs on, who were lying on the uh, on the ground, um, and he observed that one, if not both of them, appeared to have some injuries. He saw some some blood and that kind of thing, um, and so he had actually took, taken out his cell phone and taken a bit of video of this this aftermath. But he beyond that, he wasn't sure what was going on. So then, at that point. Uh, we, I asked if he wanted to speak to us just to talk about what he had seen, and he, he agreed. And so I brought him outside to Gary, uh, who was busy, you know, getting different shots at the scene. We, we talked to him. And then at that point, uh, there were just people sort of standing and watching on the other side where the other car dealership was, including um, uh, a young employee there uh, who I just sort of called over to him. Hey, did you happen to see something here? And he says, oh, yes. And he had seen a little bit more than the previous witness. He had actually seen uh, the moment when the two uh, suspects that were inside the vehicle exited the truck uh, and went running. And in fact, police dogs had been released to, to stop them and make the arrest. And it also turned out that he had captured that on his cell phone that particular moment. And that video is crazy because he caught most of the incident, I would say. I don't think he caught that initial crash, if I'm remembering correctly. But the chase and the takedown and everything, it's so rare that we actually see something like that unfolding. I think you're right. He he did. I think he saw the, the vehicle being pinned, the pickup truck being pinned. But then I guess he he just had the instinct to, right at that moment, he obviously realized this was something going on, something kind of important, and so he pulled out his phone, and that's just when everything unfolded. And you're right, we don't always capture uh, the actual moment when something happens like that, or a witness doesn't always do that. Because, I mean, and fair enough, you're watching something unfold, you don't always have that 
thought to, oh, I should capture this somehow. I should record it. But he had. And uh, so there were three separate videos on his phone, short videos that showed um, the two suspects, a man and a woman, uh, the man being brought down by a police dog. And then shortly after that, the the woman also being uh, 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 taken into custody using a police dog. was pretty dramatic video i would say it was it was a little you know unsettling because you are hearing a lot of yelling and and screaming and you can probably imagine that being chased and taken down by a police dog you know there's obviously you'd, you'd have that reaction and he he also witnessed a bit of i think blood and that kind of thing so there were there were some injuries they ended up being minor injuries according to police but both of those people were taken to hospital to be checked out And Gary, I think a cell phone video like that, part of what was so powerful isn't just that you're seeing it happen, but it's that audio, because a lot of times we do get there after the fact, and you got great shots, close-ups of the crumpled stuff and and glass everywhere and stuff, but I think that audio, like that just, you know, the screaming and stuff, that just goes to show you how important it is for us to hear what was happening as well as to see it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sound is 50% of of the news story, right? So if the better the sound, the better the story. And it's, I mean... Just, you know, for me, because I've been in this a long, long, long time, um, you know, 25 years ago showing up this. Yeah, there would there would have been no cell phone video. There would have been there would, yeah, we would have had witnesses and they would have described it. But you would have just had like that in the aftermath. And now it's like without cell phone video. I mean, it's it's it certainly made the job easier. But I mean, then, of course, you know. It's tough for us now when we get cell phone video for anything that we always have to judge what, what context, how much of it did they shoot. Like, you know, we get a lot of these things where, you know, oh, this person's having a crazy racist rant or, or some sort of rant, and but what preceded that and, and stuff. But, it, yeah, it's it's definitely the audio of, um, of the dogs and the, the cops screaming and then the woman screaming, and it was certainly very powerful video, right? Maria, do you think that that audio was part of the reason that we gave a warning that it was graphic video? Because, I mean, there was some blood and there was, you see this takedown, but just the, the woman shrieking and just like the, that sound, I think, just um, took the video to another level. And that's something that we don't often discuss, isn't it? I, 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 th- I think it was because when I first watched it, when he played it to me on his phone, I mean, I had kind of a sort of a visceral reaction to it and it was mostly because of the sound because I mean you do see you know the, the initial dog taking down one of the suspects but then the, the yelling and the screaming starts and I think that really uh, you know it, it sort of gives you a very complete picture of what's happening there and yes it is an arrest and they were running from police but um, at the same time yeah the sound itself in this case may have even been more than the video because you can't clearly see everything that's happening in the video it's sort of from a distance People are down on the ground. There's struggle, but you can't really tell exactly what's happening. It's not distinct, but the but the sound was something that was certainly unsettling for me. And and when we got back to the station, you know that was an easy decision to make. We we certainly agreed um, because yeah, it's pretty impactful to hear those kinds of sounds. Um, that tells a lot of the story without even being able to see very clearly or in close up what's going on. And I think, again, it just speaks to the rarity of it because, you know, to see something like that unfolding, but then also for the two of you to get there so quickly. And Gary Byrne, you have an eye for getting to scenes really quickly. I remember a couple years ago, uh, it was um, super dry summer. There were um, small brush fires kind of popping up and um, grass fires all over Metro Vancouver. But by the time we would get there, hear about it and get there, there would be no way for us to document it because the fire department was, you know, pouncing on these things so quickly we never got there. But you and I went to one by YVR and we got neighbors 
neighbors, you know, running out with their buckets and garden hoses trying to put out this grass fire. And that was video that we ended up using all summer just to show how quickly it can spread. Well, it's just, I call it more like the, it's it's like in hockey, you call it puck luck. And I think we, you know, and inside baseball for us, we just call it the news gods are, you know, being favorable to us. I mean, those, that's sure like, like the, the one Marie and I were on, I mean, I never go down terminal. Like I rarely, that's really a way back for me to get to the station. But just that's the one day, you know, out of like the last, I don't know, eight, nine months. I feel like, yeah, you know, First Avenue's back open after that whole schlamazel. I was like, oh, let's keep going this way, right? And it's like, oh, wow, there's something like that. And the same with the airport. I think I can't remember why we were, I think we, oh, we were heading, oh, that was, I believe, because I picked you up for the chopper ship. I think we were on chopper yeah, duty, it so just, it was probably a couple years ago, yeah. It was a couple of years ago, and it was just like, okay, we're driving back to the hangar, and it's like, oh, well. There's a lot of smoke over there as we're driving, and so okay, well, it looks like it's in Burkeville, so you just turn in, and all of a sudden you come up the road, that little road to Burkeville, to where it pops out where most of the plane spotters are, and it's like, yeah, the grass is on fire. It's like, well, we better shoot this because there's like no fire department. And you're right, you see, you know, the neighbors have got their like, you know, their buckets and whatever other, you know, crockpots or whatever to put put it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like watering water, cans, watered in cans, and the kids were doing it and stuff like that. It's like, all right, well, let's just start shooting this, and you know, eventually somebody, you know, and I think they said they were had called the fire department, which ironically is like in the, or just right behind so but it, you know but the fire department i believe at that point was all at a uh, emergency landing call at the airport and that's why there was no fire trucks there right away otherwise like the fire department would literally be there in like 20 seconds but i think they were all on a standby so it's like oh there's no fire department coming so and it's yeah you just shoot it's like that's how fast grass fires just pop up and it's like okay but it, a lot of that's just luck it's just like you're in the right place at the right time because 99 percent of the time from where a scene is happening Oh, there's a scene happening. There's another one right now. Um, it's usually, you're usually on the other side of town, right? And it's like, you're always like, oh, God, I wish it was like where I should be. But you never, you know, but it's, it's just luck. And then you just kind of go, okay, well, let's do this then. It's true. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes you just stumble across things. And, and it's, I'd say it's more rare than not. I mean, usually you're just, you're working on your story that you've pitched for the day or the story that you've been assigned to, or you're going, you're at a breaking news scene already. So for, to come across something else on the way or on the way back, or even at something else that you're covering, um, it, it happens, but it's rare. But when it does happen, Gary Barnt has just run to the window to see exactly what is happening and how much he can figure out. And, and the thing is, you know, I mean, we're, that's what we're, we are looking for things that maybe, you know, it pays to, if, even if you're looking in one direction at something, to just kind of take a look around. That's what we do because we're, we're curious. We're kind of nosy by nature. That's what we do in this business. And so when we see something that strikes us as odd or a little unusual, um, you know, we always want to find out more. We always want that information. And, you know, sometimes the other thing is sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's often nothing. <laughs> it's very often nothing. I mean, sometimes you'll look into something and, oh, okay, so now that we, now that we understand what that is, all right, you know, that's just a minor thing or it's not really a big deal. About a year ago, I lucked out on another story. Um, Scott Connerton, another photographer, and I had gone to West Vancouver uh, because we'd gotten uh, a tip. We'd heard through the grapevine that there was an elderly woman who'd fallen victim to the... It's it's called the grandson scam, usually. But in this case, she got a call from someone she thought was her son. It didn't quite sound like him, but he said he'd been in a car accident. His nose was, was broken. It was a DUI. So he needed her to... Um, to help him out, and it was like twenty thousand dollars to like pay for the damage on the other cars, so that they wouldn't call the cops and wouldn't ruin his record. 
they figured out, I mean, she ended up calling her actual son and stuff before, but she'd already pulled out $6,000 from the bank. So this was like a scam in progress. Her son stopped her. Everything was fine. So we go there to do the interview after this close call. And as Scott and I are there interviewing the sweet older woman, just absolutely adorable, the doorbell rings. Her son went to answer it. And it turned out it was the FedEx guy who was there to pick up the package of cash to send it to the scammers. This is a complete scam. I've got the news people in here. If you've got the account for this money, um, you know, for the package, I don't know where this is going. This is a full, I know it's not your deal, but no, seriously, police are involved. And so there was, we caught this like confrontation on tape where the son's talking to this FedEx delivery guy who had no idea what was going on. He was just told to go pick up a package, but we were like, oh my God, like this is happening right now. We'd gone in to get the first interview because Global was there as well, the competition, but they hadn't gone in there first. And so they were parked down the street. They didn't even know what was happening. They didn't know why that delivery truck was there. So we were so lucky to be in there as this scam was still unfolding. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like I said, it's the, it's the news gods. It's puck luck being in the right spot at the right time. I mean, my story that I, when you were asking me about this earlier, about let's about these kind of things, involved you again. I mean, you seem to have... You did, really? <laughs> well, it was it was years ago uh, when we when, when you used to fly with us in Chopper 9, and I remember it's like, it's, you know, we do a set show patrol and a set perimeter that we do, and that was the one time, I, I think we were bored, and I said, to let, I want to go see how my son's baseball game is doing. Because, you know, when you have a helicopter, that's the kind of thing you can do. <laughs> so we flew to, like, 41st and Fraser, because I knew where the game was in the field, and we were like halfway through. So I was, wa- we were watching, I was watching a bit of the game from, like, 1,500 feet or whatever, and it's like, okay, well, that's enough of this. I videotaped my son running a couple of bases, uh, you know. And then Jim, our pilot this time, said, hey, there's black smoke over there. And you and I both looked up and said, yeah, you're right, there's some black smoke there. And so we basically... It wasn't that far. It was literally for uh, for Chopper and I, it was like a th- less than 30 seconds to fly there. It was right at, uh, basically, at uh, the foot of Marine Drive. And, and South uh, Vancouver, yeah. South Vancouver. And as we're, as we're flying there, we're almost there. I can, I, we used to be able to hear this, the fire department on the scanners. They get a call, first alarm, warehouse fire. And so they hadn't even gotten the, they had just gotten the call when we arrived on scene. It's like, yeah, that's a warehouse and it's going up pretty fast. And I just remember that happened just before six. It went up just a few minutes ago. We were flying around. Everything was fine. All of a sudden, a plume of smoke. Uh, fire trucks have not even arrived here yet. That is exactly how new this fire is. I'm seeing smoke coming from at least three sides of the building on this warehouse. Again, on Sherbrooke Street. There you can just see the glow of some flames. And we basically, you cut into live probing right away. And you were our first live hit was basically the first fire trucks getting there. And I think we did three or four more hits. And we literally watched this mattress warehouse, which, you know, if you want a good fire, those are good because there was nobody inside there was nobody here it was nobody trapped it was just a building they weren't going to go in there it was just going to be a big fire and it just it went up and it it basically just the thing was you know burnt to the ground within the hour of the newscast that's how fast it had happened and you know just luck that you know it just happened to be loitering in that area and it was right there and the luck of the tower uh you know with air traffic and that that we were able to stay in that area because that's not a place they really like uh, helicopters hanging around because it's very close to the approaches. And yeah, I was just watching this thing get bigger and bigger, second alarm, third alarm, and just like but that's just happened to be like a lot of the time we could have been out in the Maple Ridge portion of our patrol. Or the North Shore, we're often North just Shore. cruising around all over the place. Yeah, so that would have been, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes to chug back and then are they going to let you in there? Uh, is the competition already there? So they've taken the airspace so it's harder to get in there. And you wouldn't have seen that beginning of it, but you know, literally you're watching this fire as it just started and how quickly it spread and just burnt within an hour the whole thing was burnt to the ground right 
But again, that just goes to, and, and pilot Jim Stibbard that day has flown news for so long. I mean, he's a helicopter pilot. He's done all sorts of fighting fires and all sorts of dra- rescues, all sorts of dramatic stuff. But he's become a newsman as well. And you've got to keep your head on a swivel and know what can be newsworthy, especially in a helicopter, flashing lights, all sorts of stuff. But you have to recognize those signs and not just be, you know, hanging out, watching the horizon. You have to be looking for those things constantly to get lucky. Yeah. And, you know, the, and the fire is along the river there. So there's lots of industry there. So there are lots of smokestacks. So there's all we always see smoke smoke there but you know he's like hey well that's black smoke that's not the right color for that area well let's go take a look let's see if the tower will let us go down there and take a look and they were like yeah we don't have anything happening right at this minute go take a look because a lot of the time when the tower we can see the black smoke around wherever the tower can see it and they're curious up there too and they went oh what's going on over there well chopper nine's gonna check it out and they'll tell us what's going on and and that's how you get that good cooperation to be in the area there and it's like yeah it's yeah jim just that smoke didn't look like the right kind of smoke for that area and it's like but once again, just happen to be in the right in the right area at the right time. Got to be good to be lucky. Yeah, exactly. You just never know, so you always have to try and go and ask the question and figure out what you can. And uh, yeah, in this case, I mean, it ended up that uh, it was a a stolen vehicle that police had uh, started tracking. Uh, They weren't pursuing, but when the driver spotted them, the police said he kind of took off, went through a fence, went up on the sidewalk. So it ended up being an incident more about dangerous driving and their concern about getting him to stop and wondering why he was driving the way he was. And, uh, they let him go because he was driving a bit erratically, but he just so happened to be heading into an area of Vancouver. And I didn't actually know this it's until later. Worst. It's the worst possible spot if you're going. If you're a bad guy, it's like the worst possible spot because he was going up Terminal, and a block over is the VPD police kennels. So that's where all the SUVs with the dogs are, and there's also a Starbucks there. That is also heavily frequently by the <laughs> police department. Uh, so yeah, he's going up there, and if they're calling for, hey, look out for this car, and these guys are coming on shift and they're right at the kennels like apparently the guy was right there and he saw oh that's the car i'm gonna stop him right there and he took the opportunity to basically t-bone him into the uh, into the pole there yeah and that's exactly what happened they the first officer who'd been tracking them he said okay i'm not following these guys but you know sends out the alert that this is happening here's a description of the vehicle and and just as gary described the truck happened to be going into this area that typically we'll have a lot of police around, including uh, police dog units. And in the end, I think it was both the vehicles that boxed and pinned this truck were, were dog vehicles that had, were, is that right, that had dogs uh, in the back, yeah. or maybe just one? No, there was two. There, there was two. were two. Yeah. And, uh, but even then, uh, the suspects had got out and, and, and run uh, briefly, and that's when the dogs were um, deployed. Uh, and I think uh, both those people who were taken into custody um, ended up facing... Uh, some charges, the man facing charges of possession of stolen property uh, in relation to the truck uh, and dangerous driving, and he had outstanding warrants. And the woman, uh, that passenger, uh, ended up, uh, they recommended charges of uh, some sort of a weapons offense for her. They're both uh, from Squamish. But, um, you know, I mean, we, we it's just, again, something that you don't think you're going to encounter, but when you see it and it kind of just strikes, you get that kind of little spidey sense that okay, that looks like maybe a little more than just your typical accident. You know, let's go see what it is. And so in that case, we did. Even when the news gods smile on you, you got to keep your eyes open. 
Absolutely. All the time. You just never, you just never know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think we're always kind of looking around for things. And then even when you get to that, what that scene or whatever it is, and you're trying to figure it out, then you're also, I mean, and this has at any scene, you were talking about the importance of cell phone video. You're looking all over the place to try and find any kind of evidence that will help establish what happened there or provide some more information to what, to what happened. And I mean, these days asking for video, is almost second nature because everybody has a cell phone and more likely than not, somebody has video something. It may not be the the actual incident itself, uh, as in this case it was part of it, but every little bit and piece helps us figure out what happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that cell phone video is everywhere. Uh, it is a tool for us for sure. I mean, you always have to sort of take it in the right context, but um, and, and sort of judge what it shows. But yeah, I mean, immediately you look for that and sometimes it helps out. And we appreciate that people share it with us. And I appreciate that you were both on BTS with CTV again. Great to be here. Thank you. Always great to being back. I'd also like to thank Gerald Christensen for his help with archival audio this week. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos. 